It's Apologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. Hey, Matt, you know what's really good for me to remember to do? What's that? Hit save on the link for where people can join us. <laughs> Well, you know what I'm working on right now on Apologetics Live. Oh, I just, I just hit, I just added the link now. So, folks, if you want you to did. join us, yeah, <laughs> if you would like to join us, you could go to ApologeticsLive.com. The link to join is there. We are live. We answer whatever your theological questions, anything about God and the Bible. Um, if Matt doesn't know the answer, he just fakes it. Just yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. True. It's yeah. true. I just fake it. What's going on behind you today, Matt? There's there's a lot of activity behind you. What's going on behind me? Well, um, as many of you will know, uh, I'm moving, and I'm going to move in basically four weeks in, at the beginning of May, and uh, my back has been out, and um, so we got uh, Cameron back behind me, and he he's uh, a friend of mine, and he goes, hey, I'll help you pack, and he came over. And uh, this morning I was w- using a cane to get around. Uh, I have a deformed bone in my back. And th- three days ago I picked out two little socks. And uh, my back went out just like that. You guys know how that happens. In fact, Nathan said that uh, he reached in his, in his truck, he reached over to get something, and boom, there goes his neck. <laughs> so that was a week ago. And, uh, you know, it happens. Well, I've, I like the way that, um, you know, that Cameron is packing up. I see him putting one book in your box, and then one he puts under his <laughs> shirt. There, I, I, he says you're putting one box, one book in your box, and one box, yeah. one book in mine. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was funny when Nathan and Matt got together because uh, they both started talking. And it, from my point of view, it was like, "Hey, Bershay, this is acting up. Oh, how's yours doing? Oh, my neck's feeling awful. How's that?" That's yeah, they're good. both getting old. <laughs> getting old. So he he took a day off from work actually to come over and help out. How about that? And Nathan was here. We got the couches out. We got a bunch of stuff we took to the dump. So we're moving stuff. We're, we start starting the process now. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing. He says he's he's a dynamo. Yeah. He at this rate he's going to have that whole uh, office cleared out. What's he? Which books is he showing you now? This is uh, the secret history of Andrew Rappaport. Wow. An eyewitness account of the rise of Mormonism. I don't know if it's good. People give me books, and I don't even know if they're any good or not. Well, just tell... I write, I write, uh, we have a code thing. Yeah, just tell, tell Cameron to make sure to ship all those over to me. Uh, I'll give you my you address, can. Cameron. Why don't you just do it? Yeah. Cameron, I'll, I'll, I'll text him now what my address is so he can just ship those over to me. <laughs> oh, he, he wants you to ship my books over to there. <laughs> What's it? Is it? This is not that book. This is LDS. So, so Matt is is going to be moving. Okay. He's going to be um, trying to, and actually, it's getting closer and closer. Uh, your move isn't that like next month? Actually, the uh, yeah, next month. It's yeah, April. The last Wednesday of April, the pods will be here, and we're just going to start loading stuff up and um, yeah, and stuff. I'm going to have to ask a lot of help from people because. Uh, my back's been acting up now for a while, and and uh, I'm the kind of guy, as most of us are, when we set our minds on something, we work, we work, and we work until we drop. And uh, so it's really been difficult for me to watch these guys do my work. And uh, 
But it is entertaining. I, I watched you get up out of your chair or tried to get up very yeah. slowly. And it, it is entertaining. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I'm not at the point, Matt, where I need a cane to walk around like you. No, and you don't have a, 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 fourth, <laughs> a formed fourth lumbar. Oh, no, bro. you're deformed in more than just your lumbar there, buddy. No, I got so. a, it's a birth defect. <laughs> And the doctor said I'd be having trouble later in life. You got plenty of birth defects. All right. So. <laughs> That's going to bother me most right now, though. So, okay, uh, so we're going to have people on. We so, talk yeah, we got to get Charlie's some folks here. in here. Um, for the folks who are watching live, if you want to join, just go to apologeticslive.com. And once you get there, there's a link to watch there, or you could just watch it from there. But there's also a link to participate there. And so that is where you want to go um, to join. Now, Matt, I, I will say we had a, a couple of things. We do, might have someone come in that wants to start a debate podcast. I told him about our show and he thought it was interesting. So he may come in the other. Maybe and he wants to start a debate <clears throat> podcast. He wants to start Christian atheist. What he, I think he, he's a Christian. Uh, I don't, I don't know him personally. So, um, but uh, wait, he wants to come in here <clears throat> and take over and do debate. No, 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 no. He wants to start his own, uh, Debate, debate podcast, podcast okay and so he was asking questions of how to do that and i mentioned oh, our yeah. show here yeah. and so he may come in and someone else that i hope will come in is i was down in florida this week and i got together with uh my brother-in-law's family um <clears throat> and got to talk with uh a young lady she's i think i want to say 16 17 18 somewhere in that time for that range um, and she is the captain of her high school debate team. And so we, I said, well, come on in and, you know, cause she, she said that, you know, she's always trying to prep for debate. I said, well, we, we will disagree on many of the issues. Uh, she actually argued for lowering the, um, the voting age to 16 and her arguments actually made it to, I guess that they're actually taking her arguments and using them in discussion right now in Congress. Um, and so we ended up talking. Yeah, the frontal lobes of 16-year-olds are not fully developed. They're actually technically not full humans yet. <laughs> That's what her aunt said. <laughs> so her, her aunt was a, is a science teacher in, uh, in high school, I believe. And she, um, so we ended up talking about gun control, obviously. I was outnumbered. Uh, we all know the, the position I take on, on gun control. You know, I kind of am for these nice beauties. Um, but yeah. the... Uh, oh, I'd love to debate gun control with people. Yeah. So I, we did that. Then we got into a very extensive discussion on creation versus evolution. Here was the thing that got me, Matt, is the amount of gaslighting that goes on in our public school systems to where people believe that what they're taught and because they hear it so often, they think that is the only possible right way of thinking. Right. Yeah, you're right. You did something with your microphone. You changed it. Yeah. So that, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put my microphone back on this so he can, can you guys can hear me. Oh, you can hear I, I'm just like a few seconds. To look oh, okay, good, no problem then. Okay, yeah, because back where it was. So, <clears throat> so yeah, so we we ended up. Uh, it was interesting because the the science teacher told me she didn't know there was anyone that she only says she deals with homeschool moms, and she didn't hear anyone actually give good arguments. Arguments for what? For creation. 
uh, and against evolution. And yet, here's the thing I find is so many of them argue, they argue for adaptation and speciation, something that we would agree with and see in scriptures being of the same kind as the same kind of family, uh, animal family per se. That's, you know, that's something we all agree on. But what they do is a bait and switch. They talk about special evolution and, and they define evolution as just change. Well, everything changes. I mean, you a few years ago didn't need a cane to walk around. You've changed. Yeah, no, I'm evolving. Yeah, that would be evolution. But De- yeah, be, I'd be called <clears throat> devolving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean that's the thing they they end up doing a bait and switch where they say, "Well, see if if it happens in in special evolution in the in the adaptation, then you can suddenly change from one family of animal to another." And yeah, phylo change. <clears throat> yeah, and, and yet those that require two different things. One is the loss of information in DNA, and the other is the gaining of information in DNA. We should have Anthony on sometime. We could talk about all of that kind of stuff. I love to interact with that kind of information. Well, actually, we will. Uh, I'm going to be headed to the Philippines in May, and he's going to fill in for three Thursdays. Yes. So lots of evolution debates then. <laughs> he needs to come on sooner because of the first week of May. I'll probably not be on here because I'll be traveling. Ah, okay. Well, then maybe Eli and I will get on huh? maybe yeah that's right so um i don't know if cat has any questions she's in here early she likes to come in early so i've added her in cat if you have any questions i wish i had something absolutely phenomenal but no i just love listening okay so maybe maybe paul in in the chat would join us and cuz he's saying microevolution is just or sorry, macroevolution is just microevolution over a long period of time. This is the well, problem. Then if that's the case, then uh, microevolution is a reduction of the allele frequency where macro is an increase in it. The problem is that they, people who say that kind of thing, they don't understand really the difference between them. Uh, microevolution is when you have, um, say, for example, there's a storm that blows a bunch of birds off the coast hundreds of miles away to an island, uh, and there's no birds there. And so this is the only species of birds that's there. And let's just say, you know, 40 or 50 are blown off. And now we have this new population of birds there. Well, let's just further say that uh, that island doesn't have much food that they like. And let's just say that uh, in order to get the food, they have, to have bigger bills. And the bigger build ones will survive. Well, then the ones with the weaker, smaller bills don't uh, survive. And they don't send out or descend or be reproduce and they as well and so they're eventually wiped out so their genetics are wiped out and so whenever a a manifestation of that genetic information of a small bill manifests then um it's wiped out because they don't they don't uh, they don't pass on their genes because they can't eat well then that would mean then microevolution is uh in this sense the bigger build ones but it's not because they have new information that makes their bills bigger it's because whenever a small build genetic information rises it's removed so it's a reduction of the information. That's usually what speciation is uh, in that sense. That's not always the case, but um, there's, there's variations like that. Macroevolution is a rather humongous, significant change and increase in genetic information. So how do you change from a fish to an amphibian? The genetic information that's necessary for that is, is just phenomenal. It's the amount of information called a phyla change. He's going to do the tape on the box. 
And uh, so the phyla change is a body type change. And that this is the fossil record, supposedly. So it's 530 to 550 million years ago, the Cambrian explosion, where um, phyla body changes, uh, these phyla changes produced very, very quickly. And it's just not enough time for uh, evolution to account for. Absolutely not enough time. The amount of information necessary for that to occur is just way too huge. Uh, it cannot occur even in that millions and millions of years. People who say that just don't know the facts. And in science classes, they don't talk about the, the counter inf information to, um, to evolution. None of it's produced. None of it's presented. And there is counter information. Um, and you bring up the point, because when we talk about special evolution, which is what, some, what he's referring to as micro, in the small changes, adaptation, speciation, things like that. It is a loss of information in DNA. That it, Christians, Christ, Christian scientists agree that that happens. That is the idea of natural selection. That's the idea of being of what they refer to as evolution. But as this person says, the assumption that those changes, losing DNA over time, the, the example you give with the, the beak, the bird has the DNA for both a long and short beak. It's it's in the DNA. Now over time it might lose one of those that information. But the, when we talk about what he's referring to as micro evolution or, or general evolution, that requires new reproducible beneficial information in the DNA. We see plenty of new information in DNA. It's called cancer. <laughs> you know, we, we, we see mutations that occur. The mutations we see most often are not beneficial. There are some that are beneficial, but those that are beneficial are not reproducible. For evolution to be true, in what, as they claim, we have to have the beneficial and reproducible happening so often that we see it happening over time. And yet we don't see evidence of any of it anywhere ever being both beneficial and reproducible in those mutations. Yep. Evolution has all kinds of problems. And I'd show you my books, but we're packing them, uh, <laughs> on evolution and, and various books that um, work against evolution uh, that demonstrate a lot of the facts. This is what gets me is they don't teach both sides of the story in science. They only teach one and when counter evidence is proposed, it's knocked down and not allowed. There are plenty of accounts where people will have de arranged debates in colleges between evolutionists and, and those who are intelligent design. And there'll be people who picket and uh, say that intelligent design is not allowed to be even debated. And they've actually had uh, meetings canceled and debates canceled because students and faculty have put on pressure to not allow it. Now, this is supposed to be an college thing where both sides are supposed to be presented, information, education. So it just tells me that you know, really, really what's happening is it's not an issue of, of um, truth. In fact, it's an issue of agenda, as is often the case for so many things. Well, it's censorship. They, they, they can't oh, yeah. handle the debate, and so they, w they need to censor. And that's what we see over and over again. And, and that's what's, you know, you have a whole generation of kids that are unfortunately believing that they're right just because it's the only view they hear, and they don't even know the bait and switch that's being played for that's them. Right. That's right. Amen to that. You know? 
Matt, do you think there was a flood and the entire earth was covered in water and you say people don't know the facts? Well, Paul, um, uh, the Bible says all the, uh, the mountains were covered. I have no problem with that. And also, Paul, what you don't understand is that there are sedimentary uh, layers with fossils in them in high mountains all over the world, all over the world. How do you account for that? Um, you can say that it just wasn't wasn't true. You can mock it. You can do whatever you want. But flood stories exist in every single culture around the entire world. Every single one has a major flood story. Not just the river overflowed three years ago. No, a a a story in their great history about a flood destroying everything. And every culture has that. Something happened in the past, Paul. Maybe you might want to stop. Um, uh, you know, your mocking tone and do some homework, do some studying. Well, and, and here's the thing. You just brought up the Cambrian explosion mm-hmm. uh, where all these fossils suddenly somehow we have all this fossil record. Well, that would explain the flood. I mean, that's James, that's basically what that is. When we look at the flood, that's what we end up seeing. We We see a whole bunch of fossils that all come about in one time. And there, there's the this is the problem with and Paul you're welcome to join us because what you end up seeing is people that make uh, statements because they have one they're they're gaslighted they've they believe it's true because they've been told it's true over and over. Um, I'm going to bring in I know his name is not Amber he uses his his wife's account. Um, let me turn his volume up. I, I believe and you could correct me. I think your name was Steve, if I'm right. Okay, I'm not hearing you. Make sure. Oh, I didn't turn you up. Now I hear you. You hear me? Yes. Yeah, my name's Stephen. All right. So it's not Amber. We're not going to have a problem with where you're not sure. No, she's she's over there. uh, She's over there (laughs) cooking the calzones. She's over there cooking my mom and her cooking calzones for supper. Oh wow. Yeah, I I hope you. I hope you're shipping some this way. No, no. The story is, I haven't seen my mom in uh, over about fifteen years. I moved here to Missouri, and uh, and you know she's a believer. Uh, my whole testimony starts with her. But anyways, uh, we flew her out here. Uh, she's gonna be staying out here for about a month and a half or so. So, really good, really good. Good. People. It'd be really good if you ship some calzones over this way. I'm just saying. So, what what questions do you have tonight? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I, I had a default for, you know, I, I came to the doctrines of grace, um, a while ago. Um, and the one, the doctrine that I had, I kind of defaulted on basically like a default position was on the atonement. Um, I see exegetically from the scriptures, I think probably the one I usually go to is the one in. Colossians and the one in Hebrews where, you know, about the banging. Atonement. What's that? Yeah. Someone's banging. Yeah, that's her chopping stuff up. Um, so my question is, um, I got to, anyways, I got to preach tomorrow, but um, I'm trying to run, I'm trying to help my mom out. Um, in what respect? With the uh, limited atonement. That's easy. Yeah. Sort of, because she has a uh, independent fundamentalist background. So do I. Well, how about this? Just ask her this. Ask her, um, yeah. 
ask her, what does it mean for Jesus to pay for for people's sins? People, yeah. we've heard this a hundred times, but what yeah. does it actually mean? Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, they give all kinds of answers. Well, it means he he paid for them. I got that. He paid for them. What does it mean to pay for them? Is you know, and you just start throwing out questions. Is a sin debt canceled? Uh, he he took the sins that we committed and paid for them. Well, what does it mean to pay for a sin? You start asking questions like this because what does yeah. it mean to pay for a sin? What's yeah. the effect once a sin's paid for? It's like a debt. Uh, you know, you have a debt on layaway, whatever, a debt, something you, a car, and you pay it off. So it's paid for. Does the debt exist anymore? You know, and when does it not exist? When you believe or when it's paid for? Just questions like this get her thinking. She goes, that's right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. But I enjoy you guys. Uh, I tell I tell Amber all the time I'm going to go check out my my new friend matt and she says i only spoke to you a few times so we're not friends but i don't believe her i think we're friends <laughs> that works well when matt starts insulting you then you know you're his friend just saying <laughs> right on. that's why i don't insult andrew i just tell the truth yeah yeah <laughs> oh, that was good yeah, yeah. That was a good comeback <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm just uh, hanging out here. I appreciate you guys, though. I'm just I'm okay. Just well, good, man. So good. All right, then we'll uh, we'll. Uh, so I'm going to mute you if you uh, want to come back in. Just say something. Ch- oh, you got something else? Hold on. Yeah, one more request. If you guys can just keep me in prayer, I got to go to this uh, recovery house, and uh, I got invited to minister there uh, once a week. So just keep that in prayer. Is that where you're going tomorrow night? That you said you're going to be preaching. Yeah. Tomorrow okay. night's gonna be my. Tomorrow night's gonna. Tomorrow night will be my first night, and if they, if they want me to come back, then it'll be once a once a week. Okay. So we'll keep that in right. prayer. Right on. We will. So I'm gonna just ah. meet you down. If you want to join back in, just raise your hand. I'll see. I added Andrew in, our friend from Down Under. Let's see if you have questions here for us tonight, Andrew. Um, yeah, you alluded to, uh, devolution. Um, don't know, not really sure how to phrase it, but I recall watching a DVD or a YouTube clip of, uh, an Australian who claimed to discover, uh, some form of devolution. Um, so the loss of information and then the, the, like a, a, that comes in the steps, um, how is that even possible? What do you, uh, yeah, how's what possible? Gen- genomic entropy, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I was talking about some discovery of different, two different sort of species, breeds of humanity that they found in China or somewhere. Um, and the only way that they could actually make it work was to take to a devolution level. So we've gone back instead of going up. Yeah, I'd have to uh, check that out. Who wrote it? Uh, I don't know. It was a YouTube clip. It was an Australian clip in China, uh, going in China. There was a whole uh, drama put before it, as they try to do, to uh, present the position of these two tribes finding each other and killing each other sort of thing. 
um, and or interact or well not kill but to in a way of interacting. Um, but it was kind of that was the first place I've heard or ever heard really of the devolution in any serious format because I don't oh. think there's any any significant atheists. I don't think you'd find Dawkins or even Hitchens, the late Hitchens or anybody else even supporting a devolution. Um, well, I'm wondering if that's... I, I, I heard recently about uh, genetic entropy and uh, what it is is our code, our genetic code with each generation is is uh, a little bit less efficient. And that, that within 200 more generations, uh, someone said 200 to 250, reproduction will be impossible. Mm. Yeah, there, that's well, based that, off, yeah, I forget the, I forget his, the name, <clears throat> the book upstairs. Um, yeah, i got to research it and see. It, yeah, you know, means, I, the, the idea behind it right. is that our our the DNA as it continues to be passed on keeps degrading, and there is a limit to how often you can, how many generations you would be able to have before the DNA breaks down too much to where reproduction is not yeah. possible. We and we know that's the case. We've observed that very phenomena with leftists because they have lots of kids really fast. There's been a lot of genetic. Uh, in their line, lineage. <laughs> yeah, but then they then they have abortion, so they end up wiping out most of their voters that way. Yeah, it's oh boy. Anyway, but yeah. Anyway, mm. all right. So yeah. Anyway, and I was going to say, in addition to that, you've got the leftists like uh, uh, what's the name? I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but the senator uh, Cortez, whatever her name is, trying to say yeah, that AOC. in twelve years, yeah. I see, I see our Cortez trying to say that in 12 years we won't even be. Yeah, I know, but you know what the problem is? Al Gore said about no, 20 years ago that we question. wouldn't be here in 15 years and we're still here. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, I was going to say about 30 years ago they said 12 years until the end of the, the earth. So, you know, it's like uh, over double that. She yeah. does say a lot of stupid things. You know, when when... Matt and I were kids. Um, we were supposedly going back into a global ice age, and the solution was government control. Now, supposedly, we're going into global warming, and the solution is government control. Government control. Uh, there seems to be a pattern there. And now that we're going back into a cooling phase, now we don't call it global warming. We call it, well, you, it used change. to be climate change, but you're not allowed to use that name anymore because now it's extreme weather. So what's the solution, Matt? God? No, government control. That's oh yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. We need more government control. Government control because your government always works well. Yeah, and always controls things better. We just look at Venezuela. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be funny when I said oh, God. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So uh, I, I do hope that uh, Paul will join us. Uh, I see that he's active. He's wow. been active on uh, in the chat. We already did. Sorry. What's Cameron doing? Is he causing problems over there? Yeah, Neek wants me to get rid of more of my books. I'm like, uh, we'll talk. Well, I've already given away hundreds. You know, I books. think I can make some room around here. My my Mormon section can use some uh, expansion. You know, if I'd have known, if I could have done was gone through and taken some Mormon stuff out. But when I get to uh, a new place, I'll be culling a lot of the books that I've got. Now nah, I'll just have Cameron send them all here. 
right over here. So for folks that are watching on YouTube, my challenge is don't be a keyboard warrior. Yeah. Stand on your convictions. Come in here and challenge us. I mean, don't just say that we don't know what we're talking about. It's amazing how they, you know, guys like this guy Paul who just doesn't want to come in here, doesn't want to actually challenge, just wants to challenge online. I think it's because these guys know that their arguments are not sound. Uh, they can't really make a good argument, and therefore they're they're. It's easy to type it and run away. You know, it is. Oh, was, cool! I'm I'm listening. I'm just watching the rain. I was also going to add the other day. Uh, Vocab Malone had uh, uh, Johnson Safati on, and earlier this morning he had him on as a part of a different interview, one of his shows where it goes for a certain time and then it ends. That's quite interesting. So, so, <clears throat> Matt, until we, um, unless Andrew, do you have any other questions, Andrew? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Okay. So until some folks want to come in and maybe give some challenges here. Whoa. Matt, hey, we've got marble-sized hail happening here right now. Loving it. Why didn't you bring your camera with you so we could see it? I mean. Hey, I'll bring my camera. <laughs> <laughs> My bring, phone camera. No, no. I bring bring the camera on the computer. Bring the whole computer outside yeah. and let's see. Oh, yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be good. So, Matt, yeah. let's let's talk gun control. You said okay. you'd love to debate yeah, I'm that. It. So, why why would you? I'm from Jersey, so I must be for gun control. Um, what would be your best arguments? Why you'd be against gun control? Uh, for one thing, it's unbiblical. What verse and, says uh, that we should have a gun? Hold on a sec here. He's really t- he came in t- he, Matt came in t- to a room to get his phone so he could take a picture. Uh, yeah, well, should, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> it's hailing outside. It's awesome. All right. Well, yeah. I'm gonna. So, do you you want to you want to give some arguments for for gun control? If not, Brian just came in. He was one of the guys that was in chat. So, well, you, gun control. I mean. What, it, what happens, generally speaking, when you take people's uh, weapons away from them, they're not able to defend themselves. And it's the wicked who um, want the good to be defenseless, so that the wicked are the ones who are able to uh, do what they want. And the power-hungry sociopaths in government, you know, they want to take away our guns so that they can be in control of us. You know, what happened in, in um, New Zealand, the, the idiocy of uh, them saying, well, <clears throat> let's ban more weapons because that will solve everything. No, it's not going to solve everything. You know, in uh, England, they don't, you know, people can't ha- have guns. Well, wow, look at that. Cool. Here's the uh, hail that we're having out there. And, and, and you know what's neat about that, Matt? You are so yeah. cold that it's not even melting in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, in uh, England, actually, what's happening is uh, there's uh, what a knife attack every five minutes or something like that. Uh, you know what do they do? Outlaw knives now? No, it's just ridiculous. Um, so I want to be able to uh, defend myself and defend my family. 
Yeah, and I think baseball bats are the actually number one weapon of violence in America. Uh, can you do that in there? So, Grace? I'm going to add Brian in here. He was one of the guys that was chatting in the chat room. And it sounds like, it looks like he may be in a warehouse. So, I'm hoping. So, you're now added, Brian? Let's see if we can hear you. You got to unmute yourself, though. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Good. So it sounds like you might be in a warehouse or something there. Yeah, I'll stay muted until I'm speaking. That's fine. Sure. So go for it. So what questions do you got? Well, I just got timed out in the chat. What's up with that? Are you the one who was insulting or what? Uh, No. Well, I can give you the answer to that. He was timed out for mocking and distracting. It's only a timeout. Uh, you're, oh, you're, shit. You're... Watch, okay. watch your language. Thing. That's yeah, why. He just proved it. He just proved it. I think, yeah, he so, proved it for himself. No, so, no, no, I'm no. going back to mute. So, Brian, do you, do you have a question? He can be on timeout if he's going to cuss. Uh, yeah. That's it. No, no. Let's, so, we, I think he could be respectful, so... So, Only if he agrees not to cuss, not to be insulting. And if he doesn't agree, he's gone. This is a grown-up conversation we want to have. We don't want to have puerile conversation and foul language. So are you able well, to do that, Brian? Yeah, but the problem with that is there are multiple studies that show the intelligence of people who use profanity on a regular. Is that? Okay, I'm not going to play with him. He either agrees or he doesn't have a conversation in here. I don't want to have yeah. someone come in and justify why it's okay to, to have foul language. So I'm not interested in having a conversation. So, do, with so Brian, do you want? Like do you want to? Do you have some questions? Yeah, uh, specifically for you, Andrew. Is that okay? Yeah, we're waiting. Yeah. So uh, I've been following you in the Apologetics 2.0 group on Facebook. You seem to have a hard on for the game. Okay, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Please get rid of him. What? Are the- okay. Yeah. My my guess is my guess is just by uh, you know the group that he's referring to. Um, he, th- there's a there's a guy who wanted to debate me, Matt, based on things that Anthony Silvestro said, things that you said. Um, when I said I didn't say them, so I'm not going to debate things I haven't said. Uh, it was exposed that I was right and he was wrong. And to to save face, his argument was that I ran from the debate. Uh, three people set up, tried setting up a debate with the guy, and he denied all three times. The reality is, is that um, his argument, because I'm guessing since he was starting to refer to homosexuality, these guys came up with an argument. This is their logic, Matt. If you group other letters with LGTB, uh, there, I was asked to, to speak on LGTB and plus. Uh, yeah. One of the things that some people want to add to plus is M, which is maps, minor attractive people. Their argument is that I'm claiming if I add an M that all homosexuals are pedophiles. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it would be because oh, if if gay if stands case, for... Why don't they say L's, all L's are B's and all B's are G's? Exactly. That's that's what shows the problem in the logic. It, it, the, 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 if the gay stands for males that are homosexual and the L stands for women who are homosexual, you, you, you can't have those two then because they would be mutually exclusive, right? I mean, that, that's what shows the, the illogic of it, uh, that 
this is they each letter has a separate meaning uh they're the fact is they're the ones that keep coming after me i'm not i don't bring up the issue and, and what they're responding to the irony is they're responding to a message i gave where i talked about how showing respect and compassion something they have yet to do yeah. um well you know how the leftists are they're, the hypocrisy of leftism is profound they want freedom of speech, but not for you. They want respect, but not for you. Mm-hmm. They want fairness, but not for you. That's just how it is with them. They're, uh, you know, I never really understood, seriously, and I'm not joking, when Jesus would say to the Pharisees, you hypocrites. I, I went, okay, well, we're hypocrites. That's, I don't quite get it. Now I'm getting it, why it's so important about hypocrisy. And uh, it's the left that has really um, shown me that. Well, you know, it's interesting, and, and traditional um, Catholic is in, we'll bring him up in a minute, but, you know, when we look at politically, this is what we see. We see censorship. They, you know, they talked about tolerance and being open-minded and being, uh, you know, not judging other people until they felt they had enough of the control of the culture to then say, now anyone that disagrees with us has to be silent. It shows that they really weren't interested in tolerance. I mean, the, Trump had to actually do an executive order to say that colleges that receive government funding have to be open to free speech. That's where they used to argue for free speech when they were trying to push liberal ideas. Now that they have the, the liberal ideas kind of entrenched, they don't want op- open and free discussion anymore. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know, the colleges are agenda factories. They're not higher education factories. When I went to college back in the 80s, uh, the left-leaningness was just there, and the lack of ability of critical thinking was, was profound among the, the faculty. I've got stories about my interaction with some of the faculty at a, at a secular college, and um, let's just say I had, a, I had a reputation at this one uh, junior college that I went to for a couple of years. I had a reputation there, and they were afraid of me. And it's not because I was mean. It wasn't because I was threatening. I'd just be in a class. I'd Wait a minute, what about this? What about that? What about this question? And I would just do this. I just ask questions. And I'm like, well, I don't agree with that. And and they didn't want to uh, to talk with me after a while um, because I was a student who, who actually said, what about the other side? What about this? What about that? Well, they can't teach critical thinking. I mean, you can't teach critical thinking and evolution because – they're mutually exclusive, you you know, you, you know. But basically, what you end up seeing is that they're not really interested in free thinking. They're not interested in opposing views. They want to shut it down because they they can't they just can't win in the debate of ideas. Right, they can't. That's why I say it's agendas, and uh, yeah. that's why that's why they 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 put up uh, you know promote legislation like the Green New Deal, and then go. You know, oh, we don't actually want that voted on. What is he doing? He's tearing the the the, the door off or something. He's moving my shelves because my back is gone. He's come over. He took a day off from work to come over and help me, and so he's doing all the work. It's great. Well, it's it's good that Cameron's finally working. You know, finally getting done. Yeah, yeah. He's I've never seen him work jealousy. before. See, look. Look at the mess he made. You know, that room didn't look like that before. He really left a mess there. Look at that. Yeah, there's, oh, yeah. I've been in here for 15 years, books and stuff like that, and we're moving. And um, my back is out, so I haven't been able to do much. We've got guys coming over. Excuse me. And um, so, anyway. 
All right, so I I brought in a traditional Catholic. He's been in here before, bringing his yep. his volume up. And uh, so I I sorry about this. I forgot your name. I want to say it's Peter, but I can't remember. No, 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 not no, not Peter James. James, I'm sorry. Forgive me. So James, go ahead with what your question. Yeah, uh, there was another. Well, I had three questions. If that's okay, it's, it's it shouldn't take that long to answer. But uh, but um. There was another hangout group that was on YouTube where there were supposedly white nationalists. And I don't know if you heard the news about Facebook uh, banning, uh, censoring all white nationalists. It's it's uh, been reported today. But if you go on Facebook and you type in black nationalists, a whole bunch of, you know, pages will come up. But I'm against all, you know, whether it be black nationalists, white nationalists or any other kind of nationalists. Um, I think it is all racist. But in that hangout group, they said that, uh, and I can't remember what scripture that they, they presented, but they said it's a- actually biblical that different nations, meaning, and they, they said that the different nations are referring to, referring to different peoples, you know, like black, white, etc. And that it, it's specifically saying that they should remain separate or something like that. And that's called kinism. They, they, yeah, they, they quoted the scriptures. I can't remember which ones. And I told them, no, that's not biblical. And they quoted it. And I, I didn't know exactly what to say once they quoted it. Uh, so maybe you might be familiar with that. Yeah, it's uh, you go to Genesis 125. God made the beasts uh, of the earth after their kind. This is one of the verses they use. So blacks with their kind, whites with their kind, which is it's horrible exegesis. Um, and so kinism is... Uh, the idea you stay within your own race and economic structure that is race oriented as well. Um, so there's a certain website that talks about it. Is, uh, our white peoples have an in, an inalienable that is God given right and duty to seek their own prosperity and existence as distinct nations, apart from all other genetic and ethnic families. We believe the cultures of our European ancestry to have achieved a similarity. Uh, which allows them to seek unity, where unity is conducive to the glorification of God. We further recognize the value, the uniqueness, preciousness of all the families of man, of God, their equal uh, theoretical participation and salvation offered by God through election. So they, they, you know, they sound good in a lot of areas, but what they do, blacks with blacks, white with white, and things like that. And uh, economic di- diversification also based in part on that. So, yeah, I, I figured they were trying to twist scripture. And I have another question. You had said that you've uh, before that you've had experience with uh, apparitions, demonic activity. Yes, I have. And the last apparition that you spoke of, you said that it turned into a cross. Yes. And I was wondering, do you believe that that was an angel from God or was that or do you believe that was some sort of demonic uh, being? Demonic. Okay. And. My third question is this, in context with the whole moving that's taking place, I'm I'm sure you've seen movies like The Conjuring. I don't know if you've seen them or not. The Conjuring, Amityville Horror, you know, movies about Mm -hmm. where paranormal activity is in a home whereby the people, they moved into this home that other people, there there was a history in the home. I don't know if the home that you're moving into is something that other families lived in, but in Catholicism, usually we have a home blessed with uh, holy water. And, you know, we we call on the Lord's name in the Trinity, our, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, 
and we rebuke any demonic entities that's in the home. And that's when we move into a home that's been used. At least, you know, some Catholics do that. Uh, but what's in Protestantism, what is, what is the process in, with Protestants whenever moving into a home? There is no official Protestant methodology uh, like that. But what I will probably do when I get into the home we eventually buy is um, I'm sure it'll be used. And what I will do is go through and, and take oil and just uh, anoint every single wall, every single room, every single door, every single window. Uh, just very lightly. It'll take me an hour or two to go through the entire house praying out loud and um, just uh, asking the Lord to bless uh and to bind any potential evil that may have occurred, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of a thing. I've done it in houses before, done it to this house. In fact, in this house here, uh, we started having, a few years ago, we started having issues, uh, odd things that started becoming more prevalent in the house, and even to the point where one of my daughters said that she saw a figure in a hallway. And what, so, you know, it wasn't much. It's like, is that anything? Is this anything? And then it starts, it starts, we started, you know, more and more things, little odd things. Like, Where's this? This has been, you know, I put it right there. It's not there anymore. Where's that? Why, why did it show up over here? Just stuff that you wonder about. And then when she said that someone else actually said that they saw a figure and then she saw a figure, then my other daughter said, that she saw something. I went, okay. So my wife took everybody away, uh, went out and saw a movie or something. And I, anointed the entire house, all of it. And I mean, everything it took me about an hour. And, um, after that, we had no problems. I'm not saying you do some mystical thing like that. Things are going to work, but I'm just telling you that that's what I did. Okay. And, uh, I just wanted to say, um, that's all the questions I have, but I just wanted to say that, uh, uh, we Catholics agree with you, Matt, with the whole covenantal co covenantalism. Uh, we reject dispensationalism. Mike is free. Well, you know, let me say something about this. I'm actually working on an article um, on divine simplicity, two articles. What is divine simplicity? A little bit of its history, a little bit of this explanation. And I'm writing a d divine simplicity as it relates to the doctrine of the Trinity. And one of the statements I made is, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants both affirm um, <clears throat> divine simplicity. And I went to, oh, wow, I can't believe I remember this. I think it was paragraph 43 in the CCC, which I thought was good enough. And um, then out of the Belgic Confession, wow, a Protestant root thing. Anyway, so Catholicism has a lot of good stuff in it. The Trinity, hypostatic union, uh, communicatio idiomatum, has various things, but it also has its heresies as well. So not everything in Catholicism is wrong. Uh, and I tell people that every now and then they, they're surprised to hear me say that, but, um, you know, they, they can do some things that are on the right side, but that's about it. <laughs> and for folks, uh, CCC, you're referring to the Catholic catechism that came out under John Paul II. Just yeah, catechism of the Catholic Church, <clears throat> CCC. And, uh, it has Neil Obstadt and the imprimatur, which means it's official. And, um, for set of acantists, I'll just have to find more information in out of the Council of, Council of Trent and uh, things like that. But the CCC is just easier to work. I have the entire Council of Trent online on my computer and stuff like that. and can go through things. Anyway. All right. So, James, you got anything else for us tonight? Oh, he's still muted, so I'm going to think that's a no. All right. I just – I edited – Chris Harris, 
we always get some good reformed discussions when he has questions. So I've added him. Let me check to make sure his volume's up. So Chris, if you want to unmute yourself, unless of course he won't. No, there we go. How y'all doing tonight? Good. Okay. Good. Good. I really didn't have any questions. I just came in to uh, to see you guys. But, but I mean, if you if you'd want something, I guess I can ask you, Matt, about uh, you brought up the atonement earlier. About what? Um, you brought you brought up the atonement earlier. The atonement yes. of Christ, as far as limited atonement, and it was just what I was going to ask you about that. Um, when you when you when you say that he paid the debt, uh, what exactly do you mean that he paid the debt on the cross? What I understand it to mean is that sin is a legal problem. First John three four says sin is lawlessness, and laws by nature have punishments, so there's a consequence. So it's a it's a debt, and. Um, You've heard the phrase, you know, paid our debt to society. Well, society uh, takes the place in this, uh, this issue of the issuer of the, lo- the law. And in the biblical sense, God is the issuer of the law. So when we lie, we offend God's character. We're saying that uh, it's okay to lie. It's okay to be contrary to him. If he were to not deal with that, he would be permitting evil and unrighteousness uh, to occur without dealing with it. And that would be unrighteous in itself. God deals with us. So nevertheless, uh, sin is breaking the law of God, First John 3, 4. Jesus equates sin with legal debt. Um, our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Matthew 6, 12, he says, forgive us our sins, or debts. In Luke 11, 4, forgive us our, our uh, sins. So he equates legal sin with debt. And uh, legal sins could be transferred. Uh, our debts can be transferred. So he bore our sin in his body on the cross. Sin's breaking the law of God. The breaking of the law, that issue is a legal debt transferred to Christ on the cross, First Peter 2.24. So when he paid it, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, then he paid the requirement of the law of sin, which is death. So by imputation, our sin was imputed to him 2,000 years ago, and then he died with that sin. So that, that sin debt is now paid. And because it's paid, it's canceled at the cross, Colossians 2.14. And uh, therefore, it cannot be the case that uh, the sin debt that has been paid, which is also canceled, it cannot be held uh, against anybody whose sin debt's actually been paid and canceled. Does that okay, make sense? Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, how is it, how is it that we... Um... How is it that we come to limited atonement by that? So, did Christ? Easy. What I'm asking is, um, did Christ pay a certain amount at the cross? Uh, I don't like to phrase certain amount. Let's do it this way. Um, did he? The question, you know, there's two questions. He either paid for the sins of everybody who ever lived, or it's not the case that he paid for the sins of everybody who ever lived. Both of them cannot be true. So, if he paid for the sins of everybody who ever lived, then he paid their sin debt. If, the, if a debt's paid, the debt doesn't exist anymore. So, if the debt doesn't exist anymore, that means a sin that they are that they've committed has been satisfied, has been removed, has been taken care of. So, how can anybody then go to hell? Because it's been removed. Right, uh, and I see what you're saying there. So, how is it that from a limited atonement position we escape uh, eternal justification? By eternal justification, we're not eternally justified in the sense that we're justified back then because what happens is our sin that is removed at the cross, but we're not justified until we believe. It's a now and the not yet. 
So Jesus removed our sin. That's why federal headship is necessarily part of the atoning folks, work uh, in concert with limited atonement. Federal headship is the doctrine that the male represents the descendants. Jesus represented uh, his people. All that the Father gives me will come to me. The, so the ones who are given to him by the Father are the ones who will come to him. And so he took care of their sin. And it cannot be that he took care of everybody's sin, because if he did, then nobody could go to hell. Since people do go to hell and are judged, it's logically necessary to say that he only bore the sins of a certain group of people. And so we would say that the blood of Christ, and this is what I say, to, uh, I, I'm, I'm the one who says this. I don't know if anybody else who says it. It doesn't mean other theologians haven't. But I say the blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse all people of all sin. But legally, he only bore the sin of the elect. No. So the only actual transfer of sin debt was was uh, of the elect. And the way that the Puritans would say it is that it was sufficient for all, but effective for few. Yeah. The, I say the blood of Christ, and I separated a little bit the blood of Christ from the legal transference, because uh, sin is a legal problem, a legal debt. Jesus said in John 19.30, it is finished to telestai in the Greek, which has been found on the bottom of ancient tax receipts, handwritten, a legal debt's been paid in full. That's what it meant, and that's how it was used in many contexts. And so uh, we have that, uh, Jesus saying, on the cross, so he, he paid for it. Now, his blood, because by the nature of it being God, divine, well, it, it's infinitely capable. But uh, if it's infinitely capable um, in that sense that uh, it's, it's combined with the payment of sin, well, then whose sin? And here's another thing. It's a problem with open theism, is that the open theist can't really say which sins are imputed to Christ, because uh, I'm going to kill two, three birds with one stone here. The idea of open theism is that God knows uh, generically what will happen in the future, but not specifically, because he can't know exhaustively and specifically the free will choices of all people throughout all time. Otherwise, they're not free, which is stupid. <clears throat> so I asked the open theist, I say, well, then what sins were imputed to Christ? 2,000 years ago, are the people who specifically were going to do various things later on. And they really can't answer the question. Well, it's just generic sin. What does that mean? What's generic sin? What is generic sin? No, it's actual sins that we have committed that had to be dealt with. Not generic sin. Sin is a generic thing. There's some sin out there in the world. Let me, let me catch up with my, okay, got some right here. Some generic sin. It doesn't make any sense. So when we understand that Jesus 2,000 years ago uh, bore our sin in his body on the cross, 1 Peter 2.24, and it says in Romans 6.6, 6, Romans 6.8, 6, that we're crucified with Christ, we died with Christ. Uh, the only way we can, you know, I ask people, I say, when were you crucified with Christ? When you believe or when Jesus died on the cross? And they say, we don't always believe when I believe. And I say, no, no, no. You're crucified with him. You died with him, Romans 6.8, Romans 6.6, 6, respectively. So when did he die? 2,000 years ago. So when did you die with him? 2,000 years ago. When were you crucified with him? 2,000 years ago. They can't get it because they don't understand biblical theology regarding the doctrine of, of federal headship. And the only way we could have died with him is if he represented us. That's what federal headship is. So that means that the ones who were given to him by the Father were the ones that he came to redeem, or the ones, the sins that were imputed to him on the cross, and he canceled their sin debt at the cross, Colossians 2.14, not when you believe. So your sin debt is canceled at the cross. God infallibly uh, brings people that are elected for salvation and atoned for into the faith. 
they are then justified by faith when they believe. So what I say is that 2,000 years ago, your sins were removed. And when you believe, you're justified. So we have a person right here. The sin was removed, taken away 2,000 years ago, and salvation occurred or justification occurred when you believe. And it okay. makes sense. Yeah. Um, more this game. Yeah. Um, but one other question. Like, if we're going to say that Christ bore the sins of the elect only, he paid for the sins of the elect only, how do we escape uh, – like, like – if we say that he only bore the sins of the elect, then how do we escape a commercial view of the atonement versus a penal substitutionary view? Commercial view that he, what, generically bore the sin of everybody? No, no. Commercial view would be like if Christ, like, like, say, like say sin was like uh, canned goods in a grocery store. And Jesus came into the store and he was only going to purchase certain items. And so he gathered all these items up and he brings them to the front and he pays a certain price for those items only. Uh, and that would be a commercial understanding of the atonement. Commercial theory of the atonement yes. uh, by Anselm, that sin robbed God of his honor. Therefore, it's necessary to have God's honor restored by either punishing sinners or through an atonement. God chose to atone by the death of Christ, which brought honor to God. Uh, the problem with this theory is that the motivation of God's atoning work is holiness rather than love. And that's it gets into the, uh, it's compartmentalizing God. Um, I'm not sure what the commercial theory is in that context. Well, it's, it's that he only it's that he only spilled a certain amount of blood, right? He only spilled enough blood no. to pay for the sins of the elect. No, he, would be the well, well, when we say he only spilled a certain amount of blood, that's a meaningless kind of a statement because well, you know the human body only has so much volume of blood. So yeah, what do you mean not, a certain amount of, of you know? Well, okay, that that he only he only he only bore um, um, x amount of sin, or he only paid for x amount of sin when when he could have paid for more would be the commercial view. Now, the penal substitution. Well, that is a, that, well yeah, ahead. I mean, he only paid for the sins of the elect as a limited amount of sin. Right, right, but I think, and you brought up Owen's Owen's um, uh, dilemma. I think is what it's called earlier with if he if he only bore the sins of some of the people and so forth, the way that Owen laid it out, which I, I agree with. Um, I think people confuse that with a commercial uh, commercial understanding of the atonement, where Owen himself would have grounded the limitation of the atonement in the intention of the Godhead. So he pushed it back to the covenant of redemption and who it was that the Father elected, and that was the uh, that was the ones who Christ would procure their salvation. Yeah, with his work on the cross. Sense. Right, but but they would say that that work on the cross was sufficient to pay for all the sins of, of, of this world plus an infinite amount of others. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it was, when people say it was sufficient for all on the cross, what does it mean? In what well, if, way was it sufficient? Sure, I'll explain it real quick. So penal, uh, if we look at the, um, what, what, the debt that we owe is a penal debt, right? God is the judge we have to stand before in order to have judgment on our sin. Well, the, the, the judgment for that sin is death, right? The, the wages of sin is death. So Christ paid that judgment with his death. And the, and the idea is, is that even if, even if the elect consisted only of one person that had one sin, then the, the work that Christ did would have had to have been the exact same that he, that, that he did, right? So, exact so same? It's, 
yeah, he would have had to done the exact same thing that he did, even if he had to pay for the sin of one person and that person only had one sin. Does that make sense? I, I think so, but I don't see a differentiation between the penal substitutionary atonement theory because it's it just and limited atonement. It just says that Jesus only bore the sins of the elect. That's a limited amount of sins. I, I just really think that sometimes that get put, gets pushed into the commercial view. But anyway, um, I, I think we've had a. I don't want to take up well, too I'm much time with it. this. It's just something I want to talk no. about. That's no, all right. I'm trying to understand it's the commercial allows, view. It's what allows for. Uh, well, I'm being told this, and I didn't think it was. I think there, there's been some new look into hypothetical universalism, where, where that the work of the cross was hypothetically, or, or is hypothetically available to all people because the atonement was made for all people in the sense that the work of the cross was sufficient for all people. So the no, the, 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 no, no, I wouldn't buy that. He's a propitiation for our sins. By definition, the atonement is a propitiation. The propitiation is the thing that turns away wrath. It doesn't make it possible. It actually does remove it. So right. if it, if, if it, that would be the argument that if it does remove it, then you're going to fall back into eternal justification. Like the no, no, no. born justified. They're born no, they're not. before God legally. No, they're not. No, I, I've never thought that eternal justification. They don't even exist. How can they be, uh, you know, justified? Well, people say, well, then how could they have their sins born? That's, you know, that's a toughie. Um, but I understand the idea of eternal justification because but it's, the problem is justification occurs upon belief. So if they've not believed, they can't yes. be justified. So there's a sense in which you could say they're eternally justified in the sense that uh, God has decreed that they are to be justified. And so in his mind sufficiently, they they have been just as in Romans 9, 28, 20, uh, Romans 8, 28, 29. Those who before knew he also also predestined. And also glorified. And the word glorified there is in the past tense. And that's a future thing. So God sees us as already having completed that in his mind because it's so complete and true. So there could be in that sense that we're justified. It's guaranteed. Even though in time it has not yet happened. So it depends on, I think, what they mean by it. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's the way I've always explained it in the past. It's always been that. It's always been that, you know, that that it is good as done in the, when when it was decreed in the Godhead. Right, so it's an already already not yet type situation that yes. you're, it's realized uh, temporally upon faith in Christ, um, which I, I think that's a great way to do it. But lately, I've been looking um, looking into the atonement itself more, and I just had some questions about it, and that's kind of I wanted to lay my views out and see what you thought. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think the the way to weave through some of the issues is to be more precise in our definitions. In those kind of with those kind of things, it's, you know, it's more sophisticated discussions, getting more nuanced concepts on the nature. But limited atonement makes perfect sense to me, at any rate, because sins of legal debt, legal debts transferred, legal debts are canceled at the cross. The, the wages of sin is death; it's done. So who do who do, you do if he paid for the sins of everybody? Then that means that all their sin debts canceled. They can't go to hell. Well, see, and they would they would also look they would also push back to like John one uh, John chapter one where it says that that John the Baptist preached that uh, or John two actually no John one John one John one nineteen through uh, oh, okay. twenty eight but anyway it's it's when John the Baptist preached that this here here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world it's, it's yeah sin in the John one twenty nine yeah singular well, rather then than I ask when I asked did he take away the sin of those who are damned. 
uh, conditioned upon faith would be. He doesn't say that, but doesn't say that. Right. He says he takes it away. Presently, he takes it away of the, the whole world. That's one one question. Well, uh, did he take it away of the people who were in hell? And the answer has to be no. Right. They would say conditioned upon faith, and then, but a minute ago, we we made the that, that's irrelevant here. We made a conditional on faith as well. Right. No, 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 no. It's not no, realized this, until faith happens. No, John one twenty nine. He takes away the sin of the world. Now, there's two questions that need to be asked here. What does it mean to take away the sins, you know, of those people in hell? And what does the word world mean? And they're going to be saying it means every individual. If it means every individual who's ever lived, then he takes away the sin of every individual who ever has lived. Right, and this is where Owen comes into play because that's Owen's Owen's dilemma once again. So. And, and remember that I told you, because it's it's hard not to get Owen confused with the commercial aspect of the atonement. He would say that that limitation of who it was that the sin was taken away is only limited in the intention of the Godhead, uh, you know, in, in eternity, in their decree uh, in the covenant of redemption. So the limitation now, comes there and not in the work itself of Christ on the cross. Now, that's an interesting thing, because that's what I've been wondering, that kind of a thing, because... What does it mean to actually pay someone's sin debt or debt? So if you and I are in a restaurant and we overhear someone, uh, a mom with two kids, and she lost her wallet and the manager's getting upset, and we just say, hey, let's pull our money and pay your debt. We pay the meal, right? So we can understand what that is. We're, it's a limited debt payment. We're not paying for everybody in the restaurant. So we can understand that there's a, uh, an abstraction. An, uh, a, it's an intention in that we are paying that debt, but it works out in the real world of putting cash down for this theoretical thing called debt that she's incurred for food at a restaurant. Well, this is all abstraction. And so we're making real time of it. Well, how does that work with, with God? You know, that Jesus only bore, this is a question I, I was, you know, these people who are against limited atonement could ask a question. What does it mean to bear the sin? I think they should ask the question, what does it mean to bear the sin? Which it works either way. Uh, Jesus can't, is he bearing an, an abstraction? Uh, or is there this intention of God only for the elect? Uh, what does this mean that he bore our sin in his body? Or what about uh, 1 Samuel 3.14, where it says, uh, God says, I've sworn to the house that the house uh, of Eli will not have the sins um, iniquity atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. What does that mean? You know, you really think about it in these terms. What does it mean when the high priest would go in and, and takes blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and then they were propitiated to the people of, of Israel? What's happening conceptually, uh, intentionally? The, I think these are, are good conversations to have. I don't know all the answers, but I do know spiritually something happened, and. It only makes sense to say that he bore the sin of the elect, which means there has to be um, an intentional accounting of that person right there. Just the same as you and I pay that bill of the woman at that table, but not the bill of the, of the next table. We're actually doing that. So I think there's a, a similar occurrence in the spiritual realm, which I can't prove or describe, but I, I, that's it. This issue of the abstraction of the nature of the atonement I've been thinking about recently and it's, I'm coming up to raise more questions than I can answer right now. True, true. See, I'm in that same boat, right? 
So mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that when we look at it from the perspective of the limitation comes in the Godhead, right, in the covenant of redemption. So, like I said, the Father chooses the uh, people to elect. The Son the son is sent to procure their salvation, and the Spirit applies that salvation. So if we, if we put the limitation in the, uh, in the intention of the Godhead rather than in the work of the cross, then we can allow for the work of the cross to actually be sufficient without having but to I don't know. in some commercial way. But what does it mean to be lim- to be efficient? And, and I, when I, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, and it's not to me just annoying. It's what does it mean to be efficient? I mean, these are questions I would ask myself. I was doing a, a, an article. Okay, what does it mean to be efficient? What does it mean to bear our sins? What does it mean to cancel the debt? What does it mean to have a sin debt? I mean, these are things. You know, I got to work through these things because the answers to those things are going to provide a, a, a better holistic answer. But I don't know if it's if it's worth it. And furthermore, I don't know how really valuable it is to argue about limited atonement to begin with. Yeah, uh, but, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Now, I, some of this started when I looked into um, Calvin's understanding of the atonement mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of people try to put Calvin on one side of the particular redemption debate or the other, which is really anachronistic. He, he, he never wrote of the atonement. Uh, he, he, there was a formula called the Lombardian formula that he was the, was the formula of the day. And it, and it allowed for the sufficiency of the atonement, but only, uh, efficacious for the elect. So it wasn't until 27 years after Calvin passed that his successor in Theodore Beza started the whole particular debate because he took that formula of, of Lombard and it had a preposition in it. He was a, he was a, a Latin linguist and he said when he saw the preposition that says for, because it, it had that the uh, the Christ died for, he said that can only ap- apply to the elect. And that sparked the whole particular uh, universal debate of, mm. uh, of the atonement. So I, the Lombardian formula is what is what's used for the reform today to bring in the uh, the the model that Christ's death is sufficient for all, but only efficacious for the elect. It can only be efficacious if there was somehow, some way, um, an intentioned. See, this we get it too too is too abstract. Just I guess too many abstractions on this. Yeah, well, look into it more and check out um, if you have some uh, some access to some journal articles. There's one called um, the the uh, the forgotten. Let's see, how is it how's it worded? I'm outside, sorry. My kids if I go right. outside, my kids would be too loud. Uh, so I'm not on my computer, but it's called uh, the, the the forgotten atonement, uh, the forgotten understanding atonement of of Calvin, I think. It's a really good journal article by Ruald, I believe it's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good article on it. And um, just check it out sometime. It'd be worth checking out. Yeah. I've been thinking more and more about this whole thing and um uh, your questioning or our comments together, I should say, are, are broaching that, that, that issue. Yeah, cool. You know, yeah, seriously. All right, so well, I enjoyed the conversation, Matt. <clears throat> yeah. Me too. All right, so before we get, we got uh, another Roman Catholic who's in here, and before we add him in. Oh, yeah, please. He's... he's uh, his name is DL. We'll have to ask what his real name is. Matt, you got something new from my pillow this week, haven't you? Yes. Hold on one second. <laughs> so, so, <coughs> so Matt got himself the new my pillow 
uh, topper. Okay, yes, I did. I got a new uh, bed topper thing. Yep. Yeah, and so, and, and you know, folks who, who listen regularly, you know that we are uh, we, we're supported here by MyPillow. And check out this picture, man. Let me share something on my screen here. This is some of our listeners who got themselves a new MyPillow. And what they said they actually loved about it was what was included was some scripture references in the boxes. Yeah. So, uh, but they are very happy. My pillow customers, uh, as you and I are. And oh, so yeah. you got, you got the new pillow topper, but yes, I did. you're going to, you're going to have to wait to, to use that. Yes. Cause you know, and you're, why am I going to have to wait to use it? Cause you're too old to put it on your bed. That's no, you, actually you need uh, help. My, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I actually used it one night. Got up. I I feel good. This is it's nice. It's it's really great. I bent down to pick up two socks, and my back uh, went out. And um, it's been happening more frequently the older I get. And I've got to, have to do something to strengthen it. So I'm going to wait a few days, put it back on, and stuff. I'm only starting to be able to walk again by myself without a you know a cane or something. Uh, just today, it was bad. I was crawling on the floor yesterday to get her out. It's the only way I can move around. Oh, sheesh. Hey, look, folks, getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> so, so, folks, we, we do love our MyPillows. It's not just that they're a product that uh, they advertise on Matt Slick Live. And, we really and do like it. We really enjoy our pillows. Um, and both of us have taken them on trips. I take them on almost every trip. I, I'm I'm probably going to have to figure out how to fit it in because I'm probably limited on size when I go to the Philippines. But I'm going to have to bring it to the Philippines. Just, you have to get one of those those suction things out and whatever. I have that. You yeah, have to I have, it out. You know, it comes. No, the, they come with it. They come at least mine did. Came with the travel bag that you roll it up and so it, it vacuums it out. And it's amazing because it, it sucks out all the air. And then all you got to do is open that bag, shake out the pillow, and it's. It's firm. Sure it's, it's amazing. So if you want to get a MyPillow, like Matt and I, you can call 1-800-944-5396. That's 1-800-944-5396. Let them know that you heard about it on Apologetics Live, and make sure you get yourself a MyPillow. And so with that, I'm going to add DL into the group here, into the room. Let me make sure his volume is up. You can unmute yourself, and I don't know what his real name is, so if he could tell us his real name when he unmutes himself, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know that I can unmute him, I can't, uh, well that's going to be a really short discussion if you don't unmute yourself. <laughs> We're going to type his question in. Yeah, well he he was, a more you had a question for him there. There he goes. No, that was oh, he did. that's someone else coming in. So we'll, we'll no, I get, thought he had. Uh... DL, are you there? We'll give you a couple more seconds, and if not, maybe he walked away, and we'll go to Train of Thought, who just came in. Yeah, he's been texting with me, DL. Perhaps he was like me initially. I didn't see that little uh, navigation bar at the top with the microphone with the slash in it. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, he's in a he, he's on a phone. So oh, I, I think see. I okay. think what you have to do if you're listening and you're trying to figure it out, just tap the screen and there should be a microphone button. I think it comes up as red when you have it muted, and you just got to click the microphone button and start talking. Um, 
glad you said that. I would have never figured it out on my phone. Yeah. So what we'll do is I will add in uh, train of thought. I know he's been commenting online on Google. And, uh, and there's Cameron There's Cameron taping up another box of books for me. Thank you, Cameron. That was loud. Yeah, well, I, you know. Yeah, oh, for, it's horrible. So, so for folks to know, uh, I, I, was try, I was texting Cameron over there and trying to say, you know, to get Cameron to come up behind Matt and choke Matt out live for everybody to watch. Trump but, poke him in the eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, yeah, when people do things to me automatically, I just do a <laughs> thing. I laid my brother out once. He did that, and I'm just telling Cameron about it. Maybe he's, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. So, so yeah, so uh, DL said, Andrew, yes to accept or reject. Well, just, uh, I guess, um, I'm not sure what the what he's asking. Just unmute yourself. I don't know if it. Not sure what he's asking with the accept or or reject. So we'll, we're going to go. Um, we'll go over to Train of Thought. Let me make sure his volume is up. So Train of Thought, you can unmute yourself. There you go. Okay. Hello. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yeah, we hear you. That's good. That's good. Um, I was just texting in the chat, and I had a question. Right, and it might sound like it, it might it. Might have sounded dumb. I don't know, but I was just curious as to why um, persecution exists. Like, what what does God use that for? Because you know, I see loneliness and persecution in these things, and it makes me curious because I really I, I don't know how God can use those things in a God. Good way. God can use persecution in several ways. One to bring about His will. Uh, sometimes when people are persecuted, they suffer, and when they suffer. Uh, they cry out to God, and that's a good thing. Uh, sometimes people suffer and are persecuted because there's greater reward for them in heaven based on that. Sometimes we are persecuted because we need to be purified in the church, and that's another good thing. People are persecuted because that's the nature. Yeah, that's going to keep. That's right. Uh, thanks. Um, uh, what book is that that should go to me? To, to the stars. Star Trek okay. Wow. And it's autographed uh and he he wrote, you know, to Matt to me. And um I have a letter uh from him too. So persecution can be used by God for different reasons, but it's often to purify um and plus there's just the nature of unrighteousness persecutes righteousness. And it's just part of the nature of, of how it all works. So that, those are some of the reasons. I, I guess I can kind of understand. It's just it's difficult because it's a it's a painful thing, and for the most part, it's like it's not good. But I guess there can be some some good in it. Oh yeah, uh, now, you know one of the things I've been thinking about recently is. Um, you know, we don't want to suffer here. Now, what if hypothetically, you know, we did we existed before we came to Earth? That's we don't. But uh, let's just say, you know, this is the case, just for a, an issue of a discussion. And uh, and and God said, "Look, I can arrange it your life so that you have a really nice life. It'll be comfortable. You won't be persecuted. Um, 
or I can arrange your life to be have some difficulties and persecution. But in that persecution, you'll be praising my name and glorifying me. And the result will be a higher reward in heaven, a greater reward in heaven. Which would you pick? Me, I would. There'd be no hesitation. I see, let me pick that which will bring greatest glory to you and greatest reward. I would admit I want that forever versus 70, 80 years on li of life. So persecution is a small fraction of eternity. And it can be used to glorify God, to purify us, to... Um, bring about his will um, also to demonstrate the goodness of, of good and the evilness of evil and things like that there's lots of reasons okay Cameron's awesome back there working for help oh, is a great guy and I oh he could hear me say that dang it he is a great guy because he, he and I already agreed he's shipping those books to me so he is a great guy I like Cameron a lot oh you are all my books huh? <laughs> Maybe, you know, I could ship a lot of them out to people. I got way so, too many. So did you have more train of thought that you were, you sound like you unmuted yourself there for a second? Yeah, I was just saying that was a good proposition when you put forth about, um, you know, having eternal life and going through suffering compared to having, you know, no pain in, in this life and then dying, you know. Right. That, that, was, that was a good proposition. Yeah, and I wonder about that, you know. I mean, what's the greatest good for us? Is your best life now the greatest good for us? Or is the greatest good for us uh, closer to Jesus forever? There's no comparison. I know what the greatest good is, and I know exactly what I want. I want to be with him. If it means i got to suffer more here, then so be it. So... That's how I see it. All right. Any, anything else, train of thought? Hmm. I, no, not nothing at the moment. That's okay. the main question. And I, I, thanks. All right. I'm just going to, because you get some kids in the background, I'm going to turn you down. And DL, I turned you up if you want to uh, go ahead and ask your question now. And, and what's I don't your, have any what, questions. Okay. What, what's your name? It's my name. Well, I'm sure I'm DL's not, not your name. Comfortable saying it. Uh, Call you D. So, are you a Roman Catholic? Yeah, but uh, is there any point in talking about that? What? Or, uh, you're a Roman Catholic, right? Yes. Okay. You, you know, Matt. He's, right the voice sounds familiar. You go? He sounds very familiar. Do you, uh, you wouldn't happen to argue for uh, Jesus being? A Asian, would you? No. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Are, are you Ben? Yeah, no. voice sounds very no. similar. The, I don't know why. Same guy as last week. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Maybe he came back with notes. Why do you think so? I mean, yeah, same guy as last week. So why don't we go to move along really? and have a conversation really? with some others? Yes, really. So you said I'm the same guy as a guy from last week. You certainly sound like it. What do you think, Andrew? It sounds like someone trying to get a little bit of a deeper voice, uh, but uh, the same inflections on certain words. I agree, and I took notes. <laughs> All right, let's just move along then. All right. Okay. <laughs> 
we'll go over to uh, to John. I'll put bring John in, and he can un. Oh, let me turn him up here. He was down. You can unmute yourself, John. I already have. How you guys doing? Doing all right, John, buddy. How are you doing, man? Exhausted. I'm telling you, man, the, the work of a postal carrier is tough. <laughs> You're a postal carrier? Yeah. That's yep. what he does. That's what Cameron oh, does. Oh, right on. Yeah. And look at Cameron well, packing up all those books. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like he probably walks a lot. I don't. I'm going to be driving a truck. So. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> anyway. Hey, um... Uh, I came across the, an, a situation where somebody told me uh, <clears throat> uh, basically about the whole issue about Calvinism and how it's related with um, double predestination. And I've always thought that that's a straw man. And I mentioned that in one of the groups that I was in on Facebook. And they all said, no, that's not a straw man. <laughs> that's actually accurate. So I was wondering... Was I missing something there? I mean, um, double pre- predestination is is when somebody, uh, when God uh, predestines people to hell. Is is that the yeah. true Calvinism stance? There are a lot of Calvinists who hold to it, and I lean towards it. Okay. And um, I, mean, I have no problem with it, but I'm just just kind of wondering what exactly is the official Calvinistic. Uh, position well you can be calvinist have different views on things like i'm a calvinist who believes in the continuation of the gifts not all calvinists do some calvinists are dispensational yeah. some are not so you can have what's the official well you know we would just say basically that um uh that that there's a ver a variety of beliefs within reformed theology that would allow people um different views but nevertheless uh, God does say in Proverbs sixteen four, He makes all things, even the wicked, for the day of destruction. So He, that's what He says. That implies double predestination right there. Go to Romans nine twenty two. What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Well, the implication mm-hmm. is there to He prepared them for destruction. So we do have um, verses for that. First Peter one or First Peter two eight. Uh, Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rocket of, of offense, for they stumbled because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom, they were also appointed. Now, what does it mean they were appointed beforehand? Or does it mean they were appointed because they are rejecting God? But it says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And to this doom, they were appointed. So it, it's a... You know, it's it's a bit of a difficult thing to kind of easily get out. At least out of that verse, I don't use that verse for that very often. But since we're talking about, that's a, is another verse that is kind of implied there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, double predestination, actually, it is the it is the uh, the uh, the standard uh, Calvinist stance, but it gets misunderstood. It doesn't mean a lot of times it gets it gets uh, conflated with what's called equal ultimacy. So, right. Double, oh. from our standpoint, is just this. It, it is that God has elected a people, and by electing a people, he has passed over some. So, so he's, he's predestined those to, to salvation, and 
because he's predestined these and passed over those, then the others are predestined to damnation. That doesn't mean that equal ultimacy would mean that the way that he predestines the elect, that he works in their lives, the spirit comes and applies uh, salvation, uh, the regeneration, this, this and that, that on the other side of the coin, that he, he actively reprobates the, uh, the not is not a, uh, that's a, that's a heretical stance. Equal ultimacy is heretical. So it's just double predestination. It's just that because God elects a people and passes over the others, then he has predestined both. Yeah, so it's, it's somewhat of a logical uh, conclusion that people come up to, right? Because, but, but the, the real thing that it's the starting point for people is that not neutral and not heaven. The starting point is because of the sin nature, their starting point is deserving hell. Yeah, that's the starting point. And so the idea that people will have with double predestination is that if God elected some, he chose some to be redeemed. Therefore, by definition, they would say he therefore, by not electing some, elected the others to be damned. That's basically the argument. And where it comes into play is people will say, okay, but then you have uh, people who... Uh, will say, but God can't tempt, and so they they will use that verse. Typically, I've seen to argue against it. I I would not hold in in double predestination in the sense where God selects some and says, okay, you're going to be damned, and then selects others and says you're going to be elect. They're all damned, and he he selects some to be elect. Right. Amen. No, that makes a lot more sense, Andrew. Um, that makes yeah much more sense. So then, those who who don't hold to like original sin, they're the ones who really have their their theology really wonky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they would have a problem, sure. Yeah. 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 So when people ask me about this, um, what I'll do is I'll say, well, what God absolutely does actively do is elect people um, to salvation. Then the question is, does He actively force people? into damnation. Well, that's the question. There's an, is there an active work or a passive work of God? He could actively fix it so they, can't, they aren't saved, but by doctrine of total depravity, they already are not saved. So how could he forcibly, so to speak, or actively bring them to that place of not being saved? The only place in Scripture that I could find that would support that would be Jesus speaking in parables, so people will not be saved. And it seems to be in, in uh, Mark four ten through 12, where he says that, that it, there seems to be an active choice there. But then again, what's the context? The context is Jesus is speaking with people. Mm-hmm. And since he's God in flesh, and people are the, uh, he has the elect whom he's come to, to save, the ones given to him by the Father, John six thirty seven. Well, then, if that's the case, then if he were to tell people to be saved, who were not elect, they'd have to be saved. So they're not elect, so he speaks in parables, so they won't get saved. And so you go, okay, wait a minute, how's that, how's that work? <laughs> and so it can get a little complicated. And um, so on Tuesday, I lean towards a real p- positive, active pre- double predestination. And on Thursday, I lean more towards a passive uh, double predestination. And sometimes on Friday, I'm mm-hmm. trying to decide which one again. Uh, and it's because the scriptures are not exactly clear. And, and how you define things, of course, can have an emphasis on which part you're going to um, take a look at. But equal ultimacy deals with the issue of God actively choosing. You're going to go to hell. I want you to go to hell. But if you have five people and you only choose two out of the five, in a sense, you're choosing the other three not to be with you. 
Are you? And so it's just not easy. It's not right. a, an easy discussion. Well, and I think part of the problem in the discussion is all of us here are creatures bound by time. We think within time frames, and God is not. He is eternal, and therefore he's, he's outside of time. He can work within time. He's omniscient. We're not. We learn through observation, and this is a big thing. Everything that we learn, we learn through observation. God never learned anything. He knows everything, and there's a huge difference between those two. And we cannot comprehend that thinking. So what we try to do is in our finite minds that are bound by time, that have to learn things, we end up in a position where we're trying to understand an infinite mind who's omniscient. I tried that once. How to work for you. <laughs> yeah, I got down the infinite long trail. I got down about three feet and then my brain went. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, that is, that's really where a lot of this comes down. We're, we are trying in our finite minds to comprehend the infinite and we can't, and we explain it in I terms that we bet we try the best we can to explain these things. But a lot of times what happens is in the explanation of the terms, people then draw conclusions from those explanations that may not have initially been there i mean calvin never explained double predestination those were from his followers that that argued for that and it was a logical conclusion they came to and understandably but the question is does the scripture support the that well i don't think so it supports that he's in control of all things it supports that you know he's sovereign but when we talk about it we often talk about it as if god is observing us and reacting to what he observes, or that he is, um, you know, bound by time, as if, you know, in time I do this and then this happens. And so those, those things are things we have to think through to realize that that's where a lot of this problem ends up occurring from. Right. You know? Yeah, that's one thing I came across also, is if God is omniscient, then he would obviously know who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. If that's the true, if that's the case, then it was not just an issue of him knowing who goes to hell, because that's implying I'm writing on boxes. Yeah, um, that implies then that he's looking into the future to see what's going to happen. Okay. Which yeah, and, and which he can't do. The, um, this goes all the way back to the to the uh, the charge against the Calvinists with the problem of evil, right? So, um, a, a Calvinist would make a claim. We would make a claim called an asymmetry claim. So. We would give God all the glory for everything good and none of the blame for anything bad. And that, that's where this, the charge stems from, which there, there are a number of different ways to, to uh, answer that charge. But I, I think it's where it comes from. I, I myself don't have a problem with uh, holding to double predestination when it's properly understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Matt was in the exact right place with the active versus passive. Um, there, there's a, uh, the, another way to explain it is the, the causation of God. That it's uh, hyper physical compared to our physical. So yeah, it's a it's a problem that uh, or a a question that comes up quite often. There's been a lot of ink spilled over it. Yeah, there has been. It's not an easy one. It's just not an easy one. And I don't want to sound like, hey, you know, I can't solve it, so I'm just going to make it up, and I don't know what I'm talking about. No, it's just you, you get down to these discussions, and it can. 
you know, like I said, on Tuesday, I'm this way on, on Thursday, I'm that way. And what I mean is, you, you know, you really think through these things, you're going to come up with some variables in them. How deeply you think about particular instances or definitions within it. But uh, just like what he was saying, I agree. The active or passive issue of predestination of the non-elect. Mm-hmm. We know that God is actively predestining the elect. Active. Does he need to actively unpredestine or reprobate the unbelievers? He doesn't need to. No, not at all. Not at all. And 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 it, it's actually gonna. It'll all work back to if you go back far enough to it to the to the claim of uh, deter. You know that that determinism is incompatible with uh, moral responsibility. So that's where it'll end up getting back to because they're like, well, if if God has determined that all of these people do X, Y, or Z, then there's no way that they can be held morally responsible, which is uh, which is completely wrong. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, Chris. You know, I enjoy your input. You you're more educated about this stuff than I thought you were. Um, <laughs> I mean that in a good way, though, because it's not used to people nailing these things so well. So good for you. But uh, I've been yeah. in seminary for a little over three years now. Um, yeah, which seminary are you going? That's right. Uh, I forgot. SBTS, Southern Baptist Theological. Oh man! Well, close, <laughs> close. Well, and I've done a lot of I've done a lot of a uh, lot of research into um, the whole determinism versus indeterminism argument, uh, libertarian free will versus uh, compatibilism. Uh, so I've really got a good I've got a good uh, solid base there. Yeah, and, and from what we understand, he's now he's now following after Leighton Flowers, and uh, he's he's. No, gonna... no, no, you're not. <laughs> Don't tell me, Chris, you're following after Leighton Flowers. Who, who you been talking to? <laughs> that would be bad. I like Leighton. I've known Leighton. I've known and interacted with Leighton now for probably close to eight years. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of people get on me, but I just want like to I just want to get Chris triggered, you know. I, I do enjoy talking to him, but I, I want him to see because because this whole this whole deal with libertarian free will just it really gets me going because they mm-hmm. the, the indeterminist takes libertarian free will and they say that is just necessary for moral responsibility when and then when they go to argue against the compatibilist they will say since determinism is incompatible with libertarian free will which it is we'll agree with that that means that com, uh, com, compatibilism in a deterministic uh, framework is wrong. But see, they beg the question from the outset because that's the question is what type of freedom is necessary for moral responsibility. And, and, and so they beg the question from the outset, and then they, they come with charges that include a lot of equivocations. And I, I've explained all this to, to uh, Leighton and actually to a, a few others, uh, some philosophers, some, P, uh, some that have some PhDs in philosophy. And I had some really good talks with them about that, but they, they just don't want to see it, even though the, the, right. the top proponents of liberta- libertarian free will admit that it's just assumed, right? It's, a, it's, right. A, it's an intuition, right? It's intuitive, and that's what they claim, but they claim that since we don't ascribe to that intuition, then our system must be wrong. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, uh, Chris. Um, in John five nineteen I'll, and 30, I'll read them to you here in a second, something Jesus says, but I ask people, uh, did Jesus have free will? And they'll say yes. Okay, what kind? And they'll say, well, libertarian. Okay, great. Uh, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees a father doing. For whatever the father does, he thinks the son does in like manner. So Jesus can do nothing of himself. In verse 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. Wait a minute. If he had libertarian free will, he has to be able to do everything on his own initiative. 
So if Jesus has free will and it was libertarian, how then can it also be that he said, I can do nothing of my own initiative? Right. That's an actually an argument that uh, Guilherme Bignon uses in his book, uh, Excusing Sinners and Blaming God. If you haven't read that, Matt, that would be a really good pickup. It's uh, probably the best money I've spent on a book in five years. And what's the name of the book? It's called Excusing Sinners and Blaming God. Oh, I think I've heard of that. It, it's amazing. It really is. Okay. See if we've already got it or not. Excusing God. No, Excusing Sinners, Blaming God. Yeah. yeah. It's a play off of uh, the Romans. The two questions that, that Paul anticipates in Romans, right, is there, righteous, is there unrighteousness in God, which would be blaming God? And then, right. um, and then, um, well, if I'll do his will, then why does he find a fault, right? So he's excusing yeah. sinners. That's yeah, I did buy it. Yeah. I did <laughs> buy it on Kindle. It's excellent. It's really Kindle. excellent. Yeah. I'm gonna, oh, I already have been reading through it. Jeez, you got so many. <sighs> so about that thing, Matt's getting old. Mm. Hey, Matt, what did you have? I already read through a lot of it. I got stuff highlighted. Matt, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Eggs. (laughs) I had scrambled eggs, or four of them, with two pieces of toast buttered and a glass of water. And I sat next to the water cooler on the table on the far side next to the refrigerator. And I made a neek, two eggs, and a waffle, which I put butter in from her dish that was not contaminated with my butter because of wheat issues. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> now ask me what I had for uh, for lunch. Uh, what did you have for lunch, Matt? Four pieces of pizza, which my wife ordered because the guys were here working, and she did. She got man pizza. It had really nice chunks of sausage, really nice chunks of sausage with um, uh, with pepperoni, and we had I had like seven or eight. I shouldn't have that many uh, cinnamon roll things and a couple of uh, garlic bread uh, little nugget things with some more water. So, hey Matt, check this out. Uh, this this is what was just sent to me. Someone's going to send me this from. You're going to ship this up to me. What what exactly is are we looking at right there? That's Kittler. <laughs> Hey, Kittler's right here. Look at this. He says, you got that right there? Look. Hold on a sec. Our place is trash. We're, we're moving. There he is. That's Kittler. Oh, look what he did. He where's there. Where's Kittler? I don't see him. I, I don't okay, see the can anywhere. Okay. Hold on. There we go. There we I go. see a mess. I don't see a cat. It's a mess. All right. There he is. Right. See him? There he is. Aww. The cat there that looks like Hitler. So so he, I was just told that that's coming my way. I, I should be receiving that soon. Why is, why is he called Hitler? Because he has a mustache and a hair part like Hitler. Yeah. And he makes the other cats bow down to him and go, meow, meow. That's, that is so true. Oh, I'm messing this up. Speaking of pictures and stuff like that, did you see the one of the baptism I did Saturday? Yeah. yeah oh, I meant that's right. Hold on, I gotta find that because awesome. I meant to. Uh, I meant to open the show with that. Where is that? <laughs> that was fun. It was so stupid. You you sent that to fun. me, right? <clears throat> you you got to get that up on screen and share that. That that was great. Okay, let's see if I can find it. Really, I fast. can't find that now. I meant I to put right that there. Okay, share screen. Ready? Here we go. Share screen. So so, <clears throat> I'll I'll describe this while you uh, put it up there. 
Okay, so that is from, uh, it says believe, and it's a picture of Matt Slick after he went into the into the water on a cold 43, day. 43 degree water. 43 degree water. And, and if you look at the picture on Matt's face, it looks just like a picture of Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and my left arm, we were go- goofing around after the baptism. Oh, it was so cold. It really was. <clears throat> my legs stopped working for like an hour. Um we went over to Nathan's house, so we're all eating sandwiches and a whole bit and everything. And uh, the guy I baptized, his girlfriend took that picture, and she just goes, "Hey," she, she did. No, she she could. She goes, "I took it by accident," and she showed us, and we're we're just howling. <laughs> so stupid, right? Uh. And she she thought it was funny, and <clears throat> and then um, uh, you were there, right, Cameron? When, yeah, when the one, they were they were showing the picture on your phone, and I go, "Hey, look at this, Nathan." Yeah, we can't hear Cameron, by the Wait, way. Hold on, I mean, he's, he's, we can't see him either. Yeah, so we were uh, we were at Nathan's house, and somebody showed me that picture. Like, oh, look at this hilarious picture where Matt's all cold. But she was kind of uh, embarrassed that it might make Matt embarrassed, so she was going to delete it. I'm like, no, they got a picture of Bigfoot. <laughs> and I showed it to Nathan, showed it to a couple others. And after Matt started laughing, one of the other guys sitting down there, did the uh, dual picture with Bigfoot and the Believe while we were sitting there. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so, as Matt drops his microphone. Yeah, but it was so stinking funny that, I mean, everybody we're, everybody was belly laughing. It was just one of those stupid fun things, you know. Hey, look at look at Cameron doing what Matt can't do, picking up that box and just walking. Yeah, that's right, he can't pick up right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, anyways, um, I just want to say thanks, guys, for the uh, the answers and all that. And uh, Chris, Chris is definitely one of the guys who I I handpicked uh, for the council at the very beginning. So, yeah, he's he is definitely um, someone who I cherish a lot when it comes to these kind of questions. Um, well, it sounds uh, like go, it sounds I'm like Chris is coming more and more to the, m- uh, the after show. What's that? It sounds like Chris is coming more and more to my views on more things. Before you know it, he's going to be dispensational. If he if he keeps studying, hey, 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 hey. I'm a Tyler Valley. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> dispensational, just go to lds.org. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's not even like logically valid, but hey, no, they're dispensationalists. <laughs> All right. Hey, I was going to point out that this is probably the only time where uh, Andrew has actually has more books than than Matt. <laughs> actually, no, no, that that actually, and and Matt will admit to this is that I ha- I have way more books. However, Matt will also admit that he has given away a lot of his books over the years. So, no, you mean hardcover books? You have yeah. more books on Logos. That really doesn't kind of count. Well, yeah, Logos, I totally have more than you. But oh, yeah. oh, you'll love this one, Matt. This was funny. So we're at a Shepherd's conference, and uh, um, we're, we're we're sitting there, and a pastor was telling me his his books in Logos, and so he was telling me he's he's like, yeah, I, I have like. I forget it was like 6,000 books in Lagos. And I just sat there and looked at him. And, and the other guys like the other guys looked at me and, and he realized there's something that was up. And, and he, so he's looking at me and I go, yeah, I, I have like 51,000. And he just was like, what? <laughs> but, oh. but no, I do. I do have more books than Matt. It's just that Matt's given a bunch away. 
So no, I, you hadn't even seen the stuff in the garage. Oh, I've, I've seen your garage. Books in the garage, and I have shelves of books in the garage. Oh, but you haven't seen my basement. And I got all my Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland. They're, oh, they're in the basement, so if there's a flood, like... Pfft. Yeah, but that doesn't count, Andrew. Yeah, those are real books. I'm trying to get rid wait, of Wait, 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 wait. What do you think Matt has on his shelf? It's all LDS stuff. He's got an entire bookcase just of LDS stuff, and it's <laughs> it's all from their perspective. So, come on. Are you going to tell me that LDS is better than Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland? They're on the same level. This is a know. book I, I've I've found recently on the <laughs> was that the, uh, next to the trash can. Which someone missed it. <laughs> hey, that's a perfect, hey, Matt, that is a perfect book to level up a table. Yeah. So he's uh, he's got. So the question is, he's holding up my book. What substance to it? What what do they believe? It's it's good that he actually found it. You know. Actually, we got a few on the shelf over there. <laughs> By the way, I I, like, it really doesn't mean you look worn in. <laughs> That reminds me, guys. I got, I got a new book out now. Uh, That's right. You got it. We're supposed yeah. to mention that. Let's talk about your new devotional book. You have a thirty-day devotional book that just came out uh, this week, I think. Right? Yeah. You you just said it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, I, I was traveling and forgot about it. So, um, we can get that on Carm dot org, I believe. Let me go check. Matt should know if we can get it on Carm. Where's the store? Go to uh, com.org slash uh, 30, and it'll take you down to the page. and then Or you go to Amazon and look up. I think it's on, uh, let me see, 30 days. Com.org slash 30. See if it's there. If 30 it's day there, devotion yeah. by Matt Slick. Yes. So you can order that at com.org slash 30. $10. For ten of them, that's what it comes in as default. So, it's, so it's a it, the price is a dollar a book. Is that right, Matt? Oh uh, wow, uh, I don't know. Ken set it up. All right, it says get get the new book from Carm thirty thirty days of devotion for a donation of less than ten dollars. Uh, you can edit the quantity, but the default quantity is ten. So it's a dollar a book. Hey, that's pretty good. So you yeah. can get ten and give them away. <clears throat> Better hurry up before it changes. Yeah. So, so talk, talk us through that book. What uh, what are we going to learn in that book, Matt? Devotion stuff. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <sighs> and how how many days will it take to get logically sound devotional? How, how long will it take to get through that? <laughs> uh, depends on how fast you read, but probably Look. thirty days if you do one in a day. <laughs> Look at what Cameron is doing. That is classic for folks who who are not able to watch. Cameron moved, he moved the box to be right behind Matt's head so that he could pull the tape and Matt could hear it at its loudest. That is very nice of Cameron. He's, he's making sure that, <laughs> that Matt hears the tape. <laughs> yeah, because I have to write on him. We have a little code. Oh, no, it's not for the writing. He did that. He, 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 he was doing the tape further away before. He moved that that box up close so that you could hear the full sound of that tape there uh going so that's pretty good um so yeah sj dubs which one so uh i don't know if any of you guys who are here have any other questions we got about uh 
about 10 minutes left for the show, about eight minutes left. If anyone has anything, if not, um, I have, um, one, one more question. Wait, someone's, someone's talking, but I don't know who that I don't, let me see. I was just saying that I had, there we go. Yeah. Train of thought. What's your, what's your name? I think my name's Massimo. It's what? My real name. M A S S I M O. Massimo. Massimo. And before before you ask it, uh, let me just give a quick shout out to uh, Jason Manning, who just gave ten dollars for Cameron to sneak up behind Matt and tape his head. So Not so so Cameron, there, there it is. Someone gave ten dollars for you to sneak up behind Matt and tape the back of his head. <laughs> No, not happening. Okay. So, Masso, I mispronounced it. Give it to me again. Masso. Masso, okay. Could you. So, what's your question? I was was just going to ask, you know, um, and this this is kind of related to the other question, but there might be a different answer, so that's why I'm asking. Why does um, doubt, like, um, why does doubt? exist and like how would someone be able to handle uh doubt exists because of our sin so doubt like is there any benefit to having doubts because like when i look at the bible it doesn't seem like there's any benefit to having doubts what we could say there's a benefit to doubt but doubt is because of our sin but then when we doubt we could make a choice to trust god anyway even though we might doubt how things might work out and so we're trusting him above our doubts so then that could have a that wouldn't be able to to occur unless we were having the actual issue of doubting and then we could bring glory to him by saying even though i doubt abc i'm going to trust you lord to work through that i don't know how it's going to happen i have my doubts but i'm going to trust you anyway and so you know those kind of things can happen i i hear what you're saying so you're saying that doubt would bring about more um more faith because they're it could. Yeah, I'm just saying, in, in a particular, you know, thing, maybe that's that's uh, a way to look at it. That it could be a good thing in that sense. Best thing it is, but you know, it's it's a possibility. I mean, there's there could be a, several reasons for doubt. Um, you know, doubt could cause you to go and study and research and figure out answers, yeah. and that would strengthen uh, yeah, your better, your right? thinking. So that's a good idea. Yeah. So it's it's really the the question is what do you do with the doubt? What do you do when you have some of the things that you bring up with and, and the struggles? Do you run away or do you embrace them and and deal with them? You know, and I think you know Scripture makes it clear we should come and reason together, and so that's what we should do. We should we shouldn't run away and turn our brain off. We should interact with it and ask. Why are we having these doubts? Most of the people, <clears throat> at least the, for for believers, when it comes to doubt with their salvation, it is most often because of sin. It's most often because there's sin in their life that is keeping them from wanting to read God's word, to pray, and because of that, they're not uh, their their doubt ha- is caused because of sin in their life and really what they need to get rid of is the sin um you know and, and start thinking right so yeah yeah good stuff man so i hope that helps we're gonna we're gonna wrap up tonight 
And uh, so, folks, if you've, uh, I hope this has been, it's been kind of uh, a lot of different things tonight. We've had a couple of uh, trolls in tonight. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got to watch Cameron work do match job that's nice but i appreciate that cameron that's awesome keep up the good work yeah he's like got all your books gone yeah i'm gonna help him here in a little bit if my back will let me uh yeah don't be dumb don't don't throw your back out more so um so folks some good sites for you if you if you're watching this live in the youtube chat you see our friend charlie who puts out like probably about a thousand different links to carm uh, <laughs> he's got them all uh, charlie is like the carm master i think he knows carm better than matt himself he, getting he, there. yeah he just knows where every article is on carm and can just Drop it in there. Uh, he's dropping in right now some information for folks who want to listen to Matt Slick Live, and you can listen to Matt Slick Live Monday through Friday um, from 6 to 7 Eastern Time. Uh, you can get the details at karm.org. You can, if you so choose, subscribe to the podcast, Matt Slick Live. Just do a search for Matt Slick uh, it's hosted on Sermon Audio, and you can just actually you can search for Christian Apologetics Research Ministry or Matt Slick, and that will come up. You can also subscribe to my podcast, Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report. There's two of them. There is a daily, uh, which is Monday through Friday, two minutes long, and then there's a weekly that's uh, usually about an hour long. Uh, we just got another super chat from Jason Manning. He says, thank you for the show. God bless. Praise Jesus. So thank you, Jason, for that. Um, I would say that for others who want to do super chats, I think there's a, a little dollar sign button down at the bottom. That's how you do it. Uh, if you want to donate, and that donation goes to CARM. Uh, that doesn't go to Striving for Eternity. But some ways you can support both Matt and I, or really our ministries, you could support CARM at CARM.org. And hit the donate button. Uh, it would be good to donate monthly so that uh, because kind of the bills come in monthly. You can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate and donate there. That goes right to Striving for Eternity. Both CARM and Striving for Eternity are 501c3 organizations. If you want to support us at our Patreon, uh, you can go to patreon.com. If you look for Striving for Eternity, that will go to Striving for Eternity. But if you would like to support Matt personally, not CARM, but Matt, you can search for Matt Slick on Patreon, and that goes directly to Matt. That is not tax deductible. Uh, because Matt personally is not a 501c3. But if you want to support him, you could go there. Uh, so next week, I think we don't have anything out of the ordinary next week. We right. were trying to set up some debates, but some people say they want to debate and then they don't set it up. So right. we will see. Um, <clears throat> I challenge people to come in. One guy said he could destroy me in, in Catholicism. I said, good, come on in. And, uh, haven't seen him, so you know we'll see. Carmen's, uh, was that he said? He could destroy me with a tape. He could. He could. Yeah, yes, I, and oh and, and goodness, Jason wants that. to it see so that. Strange. Oh man. Yeah, it's looking naked. Your office is looking naked. Yeah. All right. So, folks, right, until, get going too. until next week, just remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. Amen.